welcome to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast where three dungeon masters could be doing this for <laughs> way too long. Talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. I'm Thorne, and I'm joined by Tony. I've got a hold on you. I've got a hold on you. I've got a hold on you. Uh oh, it's magic. When I'm with you, it's magic. Uh oh, it's magic. You know it's true. When I'm with Banna, 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 Summer, Summer, Summer. Oh, such a great tune. <laughs> Actually, DM, I know that one. That is yeah, DM I Dave. hope you know that one. Yeah, absolutely. As DM Dave attuning us to the topic for tonight's episode, where we'll be talking about attunement and the role of magic items in your 5th edition D&D games, and I guess any role-playing game, but attunement is a specifically 5th edition rule. So this week, what we wanted to talk about is, is that a good rule? How do you use magic items? Does this prevent you from using them the way you want to use them? We've actually struggled with it a bit in our games. So guys, what do you think? Magic item-wise, how's, how's attunement working out for you? I think this has a lot to do with the philosophy of the game. And if you feel that your character or any of your characters in your game should have magic boots and magic shoulder pads and a magic hat and magic gloves, then no. So obviously no Diablo characters, no Skyrim characters, none of that stuff's going to fly. But if you're running a much tighter magic world, which is kind of where 5e is, your magic items are more meaningful. So when they have them, they're supposed to have a greater impact. But where I feel this gets a little weird, there's a couple places. One is where you can have a very powerful magic item, weapon, piece of armor, like plus three plate mail that requires no attunement whatsoever. That, I mean, I'm sorry, if I can have a Luxstone or a suit of plate mail plus three, give me the armor. No <laughs> brainer. Well, what does that give you? A 21 base armor class? Then you equip an ordinary shield? And then you're, like, around draconic defense at that point. I mean, like, you're just a beast. But, you know, you get a Luxstone, it's like, oh, well, yeah, no, that's an attunement. Can't help you. So it really depends how you want to present magic items in your game is how I really see it. Yeah, so the, and the rule we're talking about specifically is the rule in 5, 5th edition that, well, one, you got to attune to magic items, some magic items, before you use them. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily apply to every magic item. So as Tony mentioned, things that are usually just pluses, you don't usually need to attune to. Things that are like, you know, uh, an orb of true seeing or, uh, you know, that have any special abilities on them. So, for example, if you get your hammer of thunderbolts, that requires attunement. And D&D characters in 5th edition are limited to attuning to three items. With some characters able to attune to more of them, I believe the Artificer opens up a little more attunement later on as a class feature. Correct. So, yes. so Dave, what do you think about this whole whole system here? Well, it's interesting because we are actually starting to finally play with it in our games, at least in Woodstock Wanderers and in uh, the Curse of Strahd group, which is funny because now we've been playing pretty heavily on 5e uh, for a couple years at this point, and... We're just like, oh, yeah, there's this attunement thing where it's only three, you know, like, (laughs) which makes sense to me because they have lists throughout all the magic items that requires attunement. You're like, okay, fine, you know. Um, So I don't 
have a strong opinion on it yet uh, because I want to see how it plays. But what I am seeing it do is work better with creating the the balance that they've tried to bake into the system that we've been talking about for a long time because they put so much more, as Tony said, into class features, into the abilities of the class itself or the race or the ancestral heritage, whatever, mm-hmm. as opposed to I have to go down into the dungeon and if I don't equip myself with this stuff, I'm going to die. You don't have to have any magic items and you can still be pretty badass in 5e and i think that was a very specific design choice and i think that's where this falls into i do i will say that is a funny thing tony that you did bring up you could have the plus three full plate dragon armor right and no problem but the luck stone that's like well this is some heavy (laughs) duty magic Well, I mean, Luxstone is pretty badass. Getting plus it one is. on death no, saves is. is nice. That, yeah, that or or like cloaks of protection, things that boost several things. But regardless. So, I mean, one of the things here I think we got to look at is a little bit of the background of this role and what they were trying to do with this part of the game. Because if you go back to first edition and second edition, yeah. magic items were really a huge part of why the players were adventuring. They're going out to find cool stuff and use cool stuff to kill bigger and badder monsters. And it also, because the magic items were given out by the, were given out by the DM, it gave the DM a way to help control and influence character development. Right. So you could, you could know like, okay, so my paladin's going to, going to need his war horse and his his holy Avenger, but he's also going to need these armors and stuff. And do I put them in or do I not put them in? And how do you put them in? And what does he have to do to get these things? You could use that kind of thing to help, create the world you're playing in and create the 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 really the player's motivation you know because that was a motivating factor all on its own in fourth edition i can't speak too much to third edition but third edition seemed to be wide open on magic items too uh, from what i've seen And, and yeah fourth edition they made a really specific decision that okay Magic items are going to be much less powerful. They're going to be much less of a big deal in character development. Character development is going to be all about the character's class and race choices and and what they choose as far as the powers they use. And in fact, they basically gave you the option, which players players I played with came to expect, that you could take any magic item you were given, melt it down to residium, and go get an equal magic item, an equal cost or equal level magic item from the list. So we had players who just treated the magic items as, okay, well, this is just what I need to optimize my character, and I'm going to take whatever we got, trade it in for Residium, and go get the thing I want. Um, which is, honestly, I kind of hated it. <laughs> um, it, it, made, it made magic items so, like, non-influential. Generic. Yeah, and, like, as a DM, you really, it made it hard as a DM to influence that aspect of the game. It made it hard for you to, to to use magic items as a reason for players to go adventuring. It made it hard for you to just interact with players through that reward mechanism that I've always used throughout D&D of, okay, here's this, you know, you went adventuring, you killed the you killed the badass dragon, here's the cool stuff you get from it. Well, that cool stuff isn't that cool anymore. The money's not that cool anymore. All I really care about is I'm leveling up. So can we have easier things to level up with? <laughs> you know? Mm. Um, 5th edition turned that around a little bit. Fifth edition does embrace more interesting, cooler magic items. They got rid of the residium idea, although they, they, I think you could still swap things in and out. They mostly got rid of that idea, and they've made it where magic items do matter more. Although they're not quite at the bonkers power level first and second edition magic items were. Like we talked, the Vorpal Sword much less powerful than the second edition counterpart. The um, the uh, Hammer Thunderbolts much less powerful than the second edition th- counterpart. 
Holy Avenger, less powerful. Like like all the big name items, there's some that are still pretty good, and they're they're all good, but they dialed back the power level for many of them. While other ones still remain crazy, like the deck of many things can still ruin your campaign or give you wishes. Who knows? But <laughs> as you were saying, Lauren, what did they do? They ramped up on the other end though. So they took they they kind of took down the highs, but they brought the lows up in the EQ. So well, in the, well, no, because what are pretty similar. But I, I what I'm, what I'm getting at, though, like when I go through and I'm like I've been saying, I've been reading through that OSR stuff, and that's very similar to your basic D&D, your first edition stuff. Yeah. If you don't have those magic items, you're going to die by a goblin. A goblin will kill you without the Vorpal Sword that's like or Hammer of Thunderbolts. That's literally this mythical item. Right. Your character. It's like the uh, what. um uh cap says to iron man you know like without that suit of armor what are you you know what i mean um <laughs> and it's so, kind of similar that way if i take the vorpal sword let's take uh for instance sir morton uh he just got his holy avenger right so that's like a big deal for a paladin now if we took that holy avenger away he's still a really powerful paladin he still has a lot of ability to to do a lot of paladiny things where in the earlier editions, the Holy Avenger really ramped up that thing because the class could only take him so far. You know, so I think that's very specifically designed in that way. And it's that mixture between what they were doing with fourth, as you say, and what they had earlier. Well, yeah, and, and, and it is designed specifically in that way. That's just absolutely totally agree. That's a specific design decision, but a, spe a specific designed design decision that basically it takes a lot of the emphasis off of the magic items. Because like you said, you can do most of your stuff whether you have a magic item or yeah. not. Yeah. And in doing that, now the magic items are less motivating. And now the magic items are, you know, you can't, as a DM, I do feel like there isn't that same ability to, hey, here's rewarding you with you, you took down this really cool badass dragon, here's your XP, and here's the really cool stuff from the loot. Because the loot stuff's kind of like, it's good. But like whether a character has it or not, they're still pretty good anyway. So that interaction. They're still the character, is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so basically, and that's in that I know that's a conscious decision from Watsi. They wanted to take the focus off of items, both mundane items and magical items. We talked about how they've really simplified the weapon list. They've simplified the item list. Yeah. You can't get specific things like you can't kind of get like things that kind of have very specific bonuses that tie into that tie into what you want to do. And they took the they, they they took that emphasis away from the items and they put it on the character class and the character kind of the character decisions, which you know I don't have any problem with what the classes do. I do kind of miss that ability to interact with that in that way though. You know you miss you you lose out on the here's the really cool magic item you guys just found because uh, magic items they're only so cool and even without them the players are still pretty powerful in their own right. So it changes the dynamic in a way that I kind of I kind of liked it the old way personally. Mm. Well, if we're talking about power scaling, yes, I do miss that blockbuster magic item uh, or weapon or piece of armor that truly was a game changer. That led to two very clear problems. Number one, it threw character balancing out the goddamn window because you give something one really cool something to somebody and they're all just standing there with their plus two swords going, uh, well, good, very happy for you. So that that was one issue. I do not like from first and second edition, and you know how much I loved those, all that gameplay and in that time was that if Dave's correct, if you weren't suited up with equally uh, appropriate stuff for where you were, 
your ass would get handed to you. And mm. that's not really how it should be. A 20th level character, a 15th level, a 10th level character should still be a formidable individual in their own right and not so inherently dependent on their magic items. My problem with attunement is kind of, there, there's some kind of like weird quirks about it I'm not a fan of. Such as, for example, we all saw the Dragon's Lair video game from back in the day. Yes. Yeah. One right? of the finest games yeah. ever created. So Dirk runs into the Dragon's Lair, pulls the sword out of the stone to fight the dragon, and he's not attuned to it. And the dragon squashes him flat as <laughs> a pancake. <laughs> because that Dragon Slaying Sword has a property. It's just not a plus three sword. Eh? You can't, you, like, there's there's no, I, and I read in my article, I wrote a scenario about a, a warrior is getting chased through a castle, he finds a vampire, he finds a sunblade, and the vampire's like, hey, you loser, you didn't have a chance to attune with it, and she kills him. I mean, that would absolutely happen. I, I don't understand, like, I, I understand that you need to, they don't want you just swapping items out, but in practicality, Hawk has three magic weapons. I can only attune to one of them at a time. So if I'm disarmed, I have another magic sword on my back and a magic spear, which I can no longer use. Mm. Mm. Eh? Yeah, and, well, and you talked about this a little bit in the article that you, we just posted uh, that I believe went up uh, last week on the website. So we'll link to that also in the uh, in the show notes here. But that is, you know, it does take some of that drama away from, hey, you found this special magic item that can kill this thing. Now I need to bake in a chance for you to take an hour hiding somewhere to attune to it, or it's not going to factor in the fight, right? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that that would be cool about, okay, you always have to consider you're giving rewards. What is the value of giving these rewards? Are you a warrior who's collecting magic gear like weapons? Well, great. Perhaps I have a sword that's best use. I have my flame tongue because I came across the ice monster. Yeah, but I'm not going to stop for an hour and attune to it. I'm going to use the sword I have right now because that's just not in the realm of realism. Or maybe and maybe it could be, but you don't have this this cachet of weapons as your higher level to draw from. If it's got a property, then you you got what you got going into that battle. There is no changing up. So, Tony, mm -hmm. I will uh, I will throw it out because it's a question that I think I think this is what kind of brought it up personally. And you can tell me if I'm wrong. So we've started to play with the attunement rules now, as we've said, in the two campaigns. And I've noticed that you have started to chafe harder against it than a lot of the other players. And is it because the barbarian class, as we've discussed, stops having the same type of really cool, oh, wow, I get this at this next level things. So now... You need a different kind of juice, right? You need something to to really knock your socks off in a different way where, like, let's say you were playing your wizard, right? Like you usually would do, right? You're getting new spells. You're researching spell books. You're doing all these new things. Thorin's character, Phineas, he's always able to swap spells out and get the different spell here or a different invocation or whatever it might be. A lot of different choices and the, the toy box as we talk about it. Is some of this maybe because we're seeing certain classes might feel the chafe of that more because they're so focused on their magic items doing a, some more of their cool stuff? Does that make sense? I, it absolutely does. And maybe subconsciously I am because really I've got my multi-attack. Uh, I'm gaining hit points per level. 
but there's nothing in combat defensively, offensively, or really even miscellaneous. All of their powers at that point beyond there are, are very fluffy. They're filler. There's nothing in there that makes you really go, wow, that's the Diamond Soul Monk level 14 power, which is like a grand prize. That's like a golden <laughs> ticket level thing. You've got proficiency in every freaking saving throw. Like, boom. Nope. Now nah, that's not available. One of the problems that I feel that that is the real uh, is for terms of flavor. I can't change weapons. Mm. I can't. That's actually if you go back and you look at the actual rule, there is no slots. It's all about you have three attunement slots for anything. So it's not like back in the day where you only had two rings and one necklace and a pair of boots and one hat. Right, so they you couldn't stack in that way. You could have three weapons attuned. You're just not going to be able to have your cloak of protection or your um, luck stone or yeah, that's, whatever. That's kind of a bad deal. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that just so we're we're clear on you know cause since we're we're kind of breaking the rule out here, so we're clear. It's not about slots in that way. It's just about you have you have the ability to to be involved with three magical. Thing. I mean, it's slots. You have three attunement slots. Yeah, and, but they're not you, they're not based off like your uh, you know hands and feet and rings and all that. No, it's but just, you yeah. are still limited. And actually, there are still slots in that sense too. You can't wear two cloaks. You can't wear more than two rings. You you yeah, so that you can only wield what you can wield. Like you can't double stack cloaks or double stack armor. Or anything. No, 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 no. Yeah, those slots could, still exist too. You could have all the all the weapons. You could have a bunch like Drist. For instance, right? He is both Twinkle and um, what is it? I see that. Yeah, uh, both of those are. He's attuned to both of them, right? Yeah. And Guinevere, I guess, and that's it. I don't know how he got more because he's got. Yeah, a cloak, I think right? I think he's got a magic cloak right on the head. Because there's the problem. Okay. He got some DM boons. He must have. He has some epic boons. That's what he has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. We can't make Drist with the current attunement rule. <laughs> I'm pretty I, sure. I he, mean, he has, he has the two, uh, he has Guinevere would be one. Well, I don't know. Is figurine a, uh, a yep. two or not? But, I, oh, yeah. yeah, that's a good question. I'm not actually question. sure. Since we're going to break out Drizzt Orden here, right? But yeah, I mean, his two slots are, are Twinkle and Icing Death, so. And I get it. I mean, back in the day, you'd have people who were like, what do you mean I can only wear two rings? I mean, in first and second edition, I have ten fingers. Yeah, no, that was absolutely. We've, we've all had this argument. I want to wear a, an earring as a ring. Try to stop me, like dead, dead serious. We all caught that guy wearing two suits of armor, and you're like, what? What are you wearing? Like, what are you like? You're like Kenny from South Park. Yeah. You, you have to look absolutely ridiculous, and your mobility even worse. So I do have to. I, I do have to. So I just want to mention. Yes. We Gwenifar apparently would not have attunement normally. So the the figurines of wondrous power do not require attunement. There we go. Okay, so he um, can still have his cloak of uh, elven kind or protection. Well, I don't know which one yeah. he has, but and yeah. he does and, have magic chain mail. Hmm. Well, that one kind of magic it has, you know? Yeah, because a lot of times, as you said, armor is like for some reason you're just like, no, nah, that's cool. Well, no, well, because what they did is very things that give you a plus, just a flat like plus for the most part, don't require attunement, like plus three sword, plus things three that armor. have properties beyond that. Your yeah. yeah, your basic magic items don't require attunement in most cases. Things that have more interesting powers tend to. But you know, I always think about like remember we had the fight 
in the Curse of Strahd game on top of, uh, what was it, Yester Hill. Yes. And we were about to get overwhelmed with the barbarians, and we're all out of spells. And Phineas is groping around on the bottom of his bag and finally pulls out the, the, the pipes of haunting. Haunting, yeah. And goes and plays away the bad guys, and, and suddenly we're, we survive. I don't know that I ever tuned to that. I don't think that Phineas, uh, I'm not sure he would have been able to attune to it. Maybe he would have. I'm going to throw a DM challenge out there and say you did not have more enough magic items where that mattered. Yeah, no, you de- you guys definitely did it at that point because you barely got any magic items for like nine fucking levels. So. <laughs> but you take that ability away. And I kind of like when you drive players down their sheet to, okay, so now things have gotten hard enough. I got to go dig through. What else do I have here? And they're like, oh, I got that thing. We got five levels ago. Now this can help us. You know, I, I don't, I guess I see, I don't really see the downside to breaking the attunement rule. I feel like it just kind of prevents more cool play in some ways. I don't think, I'm not against uh, the breaking of it. Uh, as I've mentioned on a couple occasions in game as well, I wanted to start to play with it, um, mainly because you brought my attention to it, Thor, when we were in the Woodstock game, right? And I went, oh, shit. Um, And we talked so much about building encounters and how some of, like, the the CR and the power creep and stuff really starts to get funky, especially with multiple players past four and all those things, right? Mm -hmm. And I look at it and I go, oh, does the attunement rule – does that help it enough to be used as a guiding post? It doesn't mean you can't start to break it as you're starting to talk about in Woodstock. You're asking, hey, what do you guys think? Is anybody really getting screwed out because of this? That type of stuff. Uh, so you absolutely have the the fiat to be able to break it. But it's just one one of those rules that, as we say, if you know the rule, then you can break it better. Yeah. Right? Because then you know what the fuck you're breaking. <laughs> yeah, but we're here, we're here to discuss the merits of the rule. And – yeah, and just just in general, does this fit how you use magic items in your game? You know, we haven't gotten into that side of things. You know, we talked we talked a bit in the beginning about how Watsi kind of rejiggered the role of magic items in D anD D from the earlier editions to fourth edition and now the fifth edition. Is that the role you want magic items to play? What role do magic items play in your games? I think one really touchy issue surrounding this, and I think we had to have kind of poked at this in a previous podcast but i'm gonna bring it up again is that if you have a player with two or even three magic items they actively have that they like and you turn around and want to reward a player and be like mm-hmm. hey you just took down x you achieved a milestone you defeated the bbeg something really great has happened allow me to reward you with this and now you've gone from a real moment where the character is super appreciative, the player is super appreciative. It's really a great moment to you're now turning into a car salesman trying to get the player to take the reward and attune to it. <laughs> That's not what you want. That's absolutely not what you want. Like Erasmus has got his luck stone, his, his toga protection, and his crystal ball. What else am I going to get? I have no idea. I mean, if I do bring his his legendary lightning bolt back into the game, what's he going to drop to use it? Uh, we will have to cross that bridge when yeah. I get there. But I mean, I mean, just speaking now, whatever kind of, he needs to drop, because who wouldn't take that over anything? Fair <laughs> point. And some of that stuff's in there for a reason too, like the orb of Abragon, which uh, which Beam Dave's character has yep. in that game, is in there for plot reasons. Tony's orb of true seeing is in there because I wanted to step up your ability to scry and travel with teleports. Yeah. So like they're in there for a reason. 
And I don't want players taking them out of their slots because I want them using them. So like, that's kind of the tricky thing, right? So sometimes you put something in for you because it opens and unlocks a style of play that you want to play with as the DM. And now you need to look at, oh, but did I just give them something that they can't afford to attune to? You know, did I get, or, or sometimes you give players something, you just want to see what they'll do with it. But if they have three things already attuned, like the the Rod of Lordly Might that Beam has now. Like, mm-hmm. I think he's able to fit it in. But if he wasn't, we'd have a Rod of Lordly Might just sitting there collecting dust. You know, that's not and cool. That is tragic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of I have stuff that I, up. I actually don't have a problem attuning to most of the things I need to now since I got rid of my stamp of healing in an explosion <laughs> of dust and light. <laughs> Merry <laughs> Christmas, <laughs> guys. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Party pop forever, <laughs> which was hilarious because that was when I gave you the ro- that was so this was I uh, take uh, treasure for everyone. I gave him the rod of lordly might, and I specifically didn't give him the rod of resurrection, which would have been kind of in the same power zone. Because I'm like, oh, he already has a healing stick. Okay, I'll give him the, the rod of lordly might instead. Well, look what happened. <laughs> we, we, oh, that was literally the worst years. one I've ever rolled. That's the worst one I've ever rolled in my modern gaming history. No way. No, I've killed my friends now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you see, we got rid of those bad rules. That's why we don't kill our friends usually anymore, although this could have. I, I would like one of my old DM, uh, D&D buddies to step forward and say, I accidentally did not kill them on a one at some point. I would like to hear who that was. Because <laughs> <laughs> those lovely house rules. But, but no, I mean, I'm, I'm there with you, uh, both you guys, in that, like, I think we all want magic items to, I think everyone does, to tell you the truth, even uh, brand new people coming in with just 5 yeah. uh, they want magic items because that's what stories have always been told about, right? I think that we're just starting to use them maybe differently in the in this era of it, as opposed to the way it was in the in the, back in the day. And I will preface that by saying, I was playing back when I was a kid, right, in the early days, and then there was that big break, and I came back in in the more modern era, so I wasn't actively just playing and seeing all of those things and getting my my habits down in that time. So when I came back in, I think I could approach it sometimes with uh, fresher eyes without having some of the, well, this is this is how it was, and now this is how it is in this day. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I've done in my games there's multiple magical items that i want to have in the game i want more powerful items i have you guys going on a quest to possibly craft a whole new magic item right so i want those things but um i don't know really where i'm going with this but yeah to, to, to be fair you've given yourself room by being extremely stingy with magic items up until now yeah well and, and that's that's been an interesting thing too right because the Strahd game is as we discussed at length incredibly low magic uh pretty much through the entire adventure I started to change it about level nine um but uh yeah it's it's pretty pretty stingy but that gets to the really touchy point where it's like you have these rewards and then I have to I have to always come back to this really hard sell again, where if I have to, this never goes over well. Trying to tell a player they have to give up something they've earned to get something better, it's just unpopular. That is really, it's like a half reward. It's like a backhanded apology. Like you know what? I'm sorry since you're a douche, but you kind of were. Like you know, that's really, <laughs> it's the, the sincerity is not there. And and it is. And this is. You know, this is part and parcel to kind of how 
restricting the magic items and kind of rejiggering how powerful they are isn't just about game balance, I don't think. I think it's also about driving the motivations of the game to a more storytelling direction. Yes. Because now players are very seldom. We're finding, I'm finding at least, my players are less motivated by cool magic items I give them and even less jazzed by cool magic items I give them. Because really the story's got to drive the motivation. And we've said before in motivating players, in the motivating players episode, I came right out and said, well, what about money? You know, what about magic items? What about the stuff they get for themselves? Really, 5th edition has that stuff locked down a bit more, so it's not so motivating, which means you're playing a different kind of game. You know, it's kind of hard to just be that, well, we're just poor adventurers trying to scrape together a couple gold pieces to go get ourselves a manor or something. Because, you know, it's you can still do that, but it's it just doesn't feel like that kind of jazzes players as much as I want to see my next abilities, I want to do my next things. I mean, they're playing. They're, they're planning out how they're going to develop that character as they go up in level. So that's more important to them and character specific motivations are more important to them. And the magic items are less important. And I kind of enjoyed having players who's like, yes, I would like to go get the really badass magic item. You know, I would like to go get that dragon horde. Yes. The dragon is causing all sorts of problems, but he's also probably sitting on a ton of magic items we can use. Let's go do it for that. I kind of liked that, you know, maybe that's murder. Maybe that's murder hoboey. But, you know, it, it it made it easier to motivate players sometimes. Yeah, it's very true. It's very true. Where 4th edition, I know several people have made the point, uh, Colville uh, specifically, recently, uh, he was saying how it was based off the idea that they're just going to be altruistic heroes. They're going yes. to do the thing because that's what good people, that's what heroes do. And that's fine. But he said he ran head on into that when he was trying to run motivations differently in the game and wondering why he was hitting a wall because the the design of the system is does not offer that play think uh, real quick tony i'm gonna let you get to your point here but think about a game like call of cthulhu one magic item changes the whole world right yeah, sure like does. what okay. if you could like what if i could like what if cogswell could just all day long whenever he wanted to cast light Right? The cantrip. What if I could cast Sacred Flame? And not right? have your eyes I open. would, yeah, I would become a fucking god among mortals. You're already a wizard. So, yeah, like, the system really, really plays into that, and it, and it definitely decides what the motivations are going to be by the way in which they have, they have patterned this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and which is interesting, because our Call of Cthulhu game just got to a point where people are going to get to start exploring some of the books they have, got some interesting stuff. No magic items per se, although the books themselves are kind of magic items. Um, yeah, So it'd be interesting to see kind of where this goes from here, because we have just started to kind of edge into that territory of, okay, well, now you can start using Mythos stuff if you choose to. You have access to some of it now after about, uh, I guess, what, four adventures I think you guys have been on. And now, you know, you're learning the spells, you're, you cast a spell last time that is motivating to some characters and other characters is very not motivating to because they're like, no, put that back. Right. You, but that's the nature of the, the system, the right? It's the nature of the system. We spent a whole session casting a spell. I mean, we cast 14 fucking spells every round in D&D, &D, right? So. Yeah, <laughs> All right. So. Before we get lost on that. Yes, three call. spells for the record. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and poorly at that. Uh, yes. How I would handle magic items within this framework with attunement is taking advantage of that certain items don't require that attunement, like yeah. boots of elven kind, uh, armor with pluses, weapons with pluses. So uh, 
a shield without a plus. So I would then pad those other areas of their character sheet. Not every item is going to be humongous. Someone should have maybe a really one beastly or two really fantastic item. But really, if they're really, I can kind of see where they were going with this. If everybody's just got like, this is my rune helm and the king's belt and the Lord's shield. Like, okay, wow. Like you were, man, you're like, it's the, uh, someone throw a rust monster at that character, please. Where's <laughs> my wooden wagon? Because I don't think no. they can hurt magic items. No, they Where's can't. My... Rust monsters can no longer eat magic items. Uh, there might be something else in the game that can. And the Morden Cadence Disjunction. Where's that? Like, let's just clear the board and no, no, no. We, piss we, everybody we, off with that. We don't take magic items for players anymore. That's no longer how the game works. Yeah, you can eat their regular sword. You can't eat their magic sword. I, I lost a Hammer of Thunderbolts to a Morden Cadence Disjunction, and the salt was really... Like, you could have preserved all the meat in New Jersey <laughs> with how I felt about that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's why they thought it was a bad idea. I mean, in, we've talked about it before, too. Fifth edition, part of the design decision seems to be get rid of all the stuff that can annoy players. Get rid of all the stuff that is kind of sounds cool in theory, but in experience might annoy the players. Get rid of all as much of that stuff as you can. Possibly, possibly. But as we've been talking about on the cast this whole time, we kind of are in some agreement because we've said many times that the ideas of the Oh, the DM, the big tough DM stuff doesn't play out well at the table, you know? And like we've said as well, we love to meet these guys who are sitting down and be like, oh, that would never happen at my table. My players are oh, cool, cool, man. <laughs> it's a cool story, bro. Like, but like, it doesn't really, it doesn't feel good as a player. Yeah. And then it doesn't feel good as a DM too, because you, you, you have some level of empathy with the people at your table because you've been in that position too. So, yeah. I mean, not me so much, but I'm just, you know, I lack empathy. No, I disagree. I see it all the uh, time. And you've said it on multiple occasions here. Multiple occasions. It's in retrospect. Like, oh, now they're annoyed. I'm so annoyed. They're, I'm so annoyed they're, that they're upset. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know if I'd really... I, it, there, there's a couple alternatives here, I'm thinking. So, perhaps if you feel that three is really... Is, is the stumbling block. That's just pissing in people's Cheerios. Then... Over time, I would say level levels one to ten, take your three and be happy. But as you're creeping up into the deeper game, you want to allow four and even like at 19.5. Is that really unhinging the earth? It most certainly is not. No, I would agree with that. Yeah, I would also say on a case by case basis, Tony, as you said, you could go through the DMG and look at several magic items and say, I don't really feel like this requires attunement. So cross that off the list that doesn't require it as well yeah so i like can item like a a belt of storm giant strike well that's one attunement i mean that's literally the most awesome freaking item you're gonna get your hands on but you know the the, the sort plus one sword you have for the property is also an attunement like mm, not all attunements are created equal well also it kind of gets it screws you a little bit too as we saw and i think thor this might have been what drove your original like ah maybe i shouldn't have put this rule back into it was the hammer of thunderbolts is a great yes. example because you need isn't it three attunements well not exactly so you do need to attune to the hammer of thunderbolts yes the hammer of thunderbolts text specifically says you have to be wearing a belt of giant strength and a gauntlets of ogre power 
So then, and one of the tricks with that is if you have a gauntlet, if you have a belt of giant strength, your gauntlets of ogre power do nothing. They bring a strength up to a 19. The belt of giant strength brings it up to a minimum of 21. So what do they, so basically what I allow the player to do, which I think works, but it really is unclear from the way things are written. I let them use the hammer and wear the belt and not, and wear the gauntlets, but not have to attune to everything. So just because they're wearing the gauntlets doesn't mean they're attuned to the gauntlets, and I'm still letting the hammer thunderbolts work that way. I don't know if that's technically how that's supposed to work. I didn't find any disambiguation on it. Um, but because you're going to want to wear the belt, you're going to want to wear the hammer. You're going to want to you're going to want to tune to the belt. You're going to want to tune to the hammer. You're not going to want to attune to the to the gauntlets. And then you probably have something else you want to attune to. You know, you don't want to be all offense, although maybe you do as a barbarian. Yeah, yeah actually, I was actually say even as well, although even. Frankly, barbarians benefit more from things like cloaks of protection and rings of protection than almost any other class because, uh, like, the cloak of protection doesn't work if you're wearing other armor. So you really want that as a barbarian. A plus three cloak of protection on top of your natural, the barbarian natural armor is pretty badass. Mm. And you, you can wear a shield. Shield does not count as armor. So, you know, that can let you get up to, like, a 22 AC as a barbarian. And uh, Antonio's there taking notes on what Hawk Morgan wants for Christmas. Oh no, he already uh, he's already up in the twenty, I think twenty two, <laughs> twenty three, even maybe. Yeah, maybe. no, no, he his armor class isn't something he's complaining about. No, <laughs> he is very hard to kill. Well, I think yeah, because it was um, I remember your stats and the shield worked out. Shields are surprisingly good. I gave one finally. You know, I mean, yeah, plus two to AC, like my artificer has one. And I'm like, he's pretty hard to hit. Great. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Good. I, I don't even care if it's magic or not. He's agile. He's wearing studded leather armor and he's got a shield. He's got like a 20 AC at level one. That's Great. solid. Great. I mean, in the earlier editions, it's like every warrior was dual wielding and shields were just covered in inches of dust. It's like provided a <laughs> meager plus one to your armor class. Like, wow. It really didn't make any sense. It's funny because shields are a funny thing in actual warfare. If you have significant, they should give you even a bigger boost against missile attacks. Because that's really kind of, they're, they're great in melee, but really any culture that faces significant missile attacks tends to pick up shields. Because you just want to be able to point your shield, put your shield between you and the arrows or stones being flung at you. That's kind of how it works out in real life. Mm. So, you know, we kind of didn't really get to, we didn't get very deep into this question I'd asked before, but. Yeah. So you know, with this in mind, with the entombment rules in mind and everything, what role do you want your magic items to play in your games? Well, I think we all kind of agree it's got to be a motivation. And if you take away, I don't get too many magic items because then I have to make hard choices. I'm putting some away, but then what am I doing with them? I'm going to sell them for what? My short answer is magic items, but wait, then, you know, I'm trying, you have to scale it. So if you're going to trade them out, you have to be allowed to trade them for better magic items or it's just in your bag. We've all been there. You ever give out a great magic item and the player looked at it and said, ah, that's, that's thanks. (laughs) They put it away. Yes. It's, it's yes, I have had that happen, Tony. I have had that happen. <laughs> I use that horn. I drink out of that in every wonderful situation. Fucking wonderful. Really, really. That's exactly what. That I'm not attuning to that, like bro. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I thought it, so. For the last Christmas game, and I don't. I I I, I actually don't. I'm, I don't have any salt. I was just bringing it up because it's funny. But for the last Christmas game, I was trying to bring out some things. Obviously, I gave Phineas the Amulet of the Plains very specifically. That was 
that was a big plot drop, right? That was story-driven magic item here, yes. right? Well, that's, so, and that's actually that's the other thing I wanted to ask about was do magic items play a role in character development? Because now that is, right? Phineas is the opener of the ways because of the magic items he got. Absolutely. Which he has to attune to, which means he needs to be able to use them. And if he had said, hey, I'm picking these things instead of those things, then that was that part of the story. Yeah, that was a perfect example, too, where uh, you had the staff of the Four Seasons and the Amulet, and they go together. So I'm saying they're one attunement. They're not two, you know, it's whatever that type. so those are easy ways that you can easily uh sidestep that stuff but no uh for so i was trying to find some really cool off the wall kind of magic items for santa to give you guys right not just like oh here's a whatever but something that's fun you know maybe something from the supplements so i decided for tony's character hawk because he already is good martially he has lots of weaponry and all this kind of stuff so i got i found the brass horn of valhalla uh, which, if you blow it, calls down uh, warriors from Valhalla to fight with you. And you get, like, I don't know, what is it, like, fucking 2d4 plus something warriors arrive? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and you're boom. You actually don't have to attune to it. Yeah, you just have to attune to the fucking initiative counter as it explodes. And so, <laughs> let me make seven more rolls, guys. With I'm, ready to, I've been, I'm ready to frag all my friends' pets in the game. This is, like, where the band breaks up. Like, <laughs> oh, come on. Patty doesn't take that much time. I got, I'm in a band of seven and or eight the hellhounds, players. little ones, hellhounds are still at uh, Castle Ravenloft, so they haven't actually had to be bothered with for the last uh, <laughs> last couple sessions. You, you gave the horn of summoning pets to the one guy who hates pets in the game. I know. I thought it was just a really, like, in terms of the character, because, you know, he worships Thor and all these kinds of stuff. I was like, oh, that might be kind of neat, whatever. Ridley gets a load of Phineas's new spell, Finger of Death. Whoa. Oh, Finger of Death, really? That's what I took as my new spell. That when I opened up. up on level 13, all That's, right. It did, it did. In level That's six, I, I changed my level six spell away from Eye Bite to uh, Blight, too. So oh. he's a much more much more damaging warlock yeah. than yeah. he was last level. Yeah, Finger of Death is pretty, uh, that's pretty fun. That's a <laughs> we'll zombie. That is that that summons uh, if you kill some if you kill a humanoid with it, you get a permanent zombie. Yeah, you immediately, they immediately rise under your command as a zombie, right? Yeah, and there's no, there's no concentration, people. there's no time limit there. There, as long as you keep them alive. That's amazing. So, uh, look forward to that, Tony. Uh, okay. Now, Hulk is not this ridiculous, over-the-top moralist. He just had problems with the sword he found. Not only drink souls, but it destroys them forever so he can get extra damage. And I'm like, <laughs> wow! This is literally... One of the top three most evil things I've ever found. And I have to tell you, that is impressive. Yeah, well, I mean, so I, as I said in my, in the Strahd article, I, for my CR20 Strahd, I had created a blade for him, Lament the Impaler. And I kind of based it off, it was a sort of sharpness slash, I found the Rakdos knife. Uh, it's in Ravnica's stuff. I found it online. And it was just a really, it kind of had some really cool properties that were very Strahd-like. But yeah, so Tony, Hawk's rolling around with this soul, this soul drinker and stuff. So, yeah. so I just remember like, that. Hey, man, you can get like another 5D10. Oh, yeah. No. And there was a moment when I was in the Christmas game where I almost took Santa down with it. Oh, wow. I almost <laughs> devoured oh, Santa Claus's been. soul. Uh, is that like, yeah. Sword. That would have really, Merry that Christmas. That, that would have really ruined my, 
That would have ruined my story. We're like, Santa's dead. He can't come back to save you guys. Like, Forever. he'll never figure out the mystery. Because <laughs> Morgan, wrestler, devourer of Santa's soul. Yeah. <laughs> so you at least this is the cool thing, right? Yeah, I got extra D8 damage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bitch, I got him. Suck it. Did you see how he exploded? <laughs> but this is also, I mean, as we're talking about this, though, this is kind of the way I want to play the game yeah. that maybe isn't really in line with the way Watsi in 5th edition it was aiming for it to be played. The staff is a character-defining weapon. The lament could be a character-defining weapon. And now, Tony, we are on a quest to melt this stuff down and make a new sword that will be Hawk's probably character-defining weapon. The idea of a char- of, of a magic item that helps advance that helps advance the character and develop the character because it becomes something very important to what they do is a classic of D. and i think it's something that with the way they've worked around fifth edition magic items they're kind of discouraging of it but we're doing it like in, in our games probably in all of our games you know where we're using magic items as things that really do help define the character and to me that's a role i want the magic item to play you know, I don't just want it to be, you know, okay, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, I want you to have free freedom to choose your character powers and stuff, but I also want to be able to throw stuff in there that is good enough that is going to impact how you're playing the game. Because if not, I can't really, I can't work with you. You know, like I, it's that's another way you can work with the player to help kind of make their character cooler, more interesting, give them a different angle. And if you can't do that, if your magic items are too limited to be able to have that effect, I think you're losing something. At least mm. I feel like I'm losing something with the way I want to play. I think Tony brought up a good point earlier, too, in that the first, you know, two tiers of play, let's say, you know, first to 10th level. Yeah, stick away th- with the three because it helps to rein them in. It helps to to give them some bumpers, uh, some guardrails. But, you know, when you're in the second half, when you're you guys are now travailing the the planes and stuff. Yeah, I you guys can wield a little bit more. Uh, stuff. So we'll see where it goes. I am undoubtedly going to uh, be making adjustments to it, just like Thorne, you are probably going to be with Woodstock, probably on a case to case basis in a lot of ways, I would think, because I do like the idea, at least in principle, to a point, because I, I understand what they're trying to do in terms of balancing out some of what is what is happening with people all of a sudden having just world shattering power. And being able to account for that. But once you can account for that, then maybe you can give them some world-shattering power. <laughs> but the real irony is, I, as we kind of discussed, I don't think 5e as a whole has a lot of items that provide world-shattering power because the power is already within you. Because the character itself is somewhat world-shattering. Well, it does depend also what books you lean into, too. Because like Dave said, you pull, you borrowed the Rakdos knife out of the Ravnica book. Yeah. Some of the stuff in Ravnica is at a different power level, but Ravnica, like I know one of the guild leaders in Ravnica has the ability to shut down a type of action. That's her thing. Okay, you can't use attack actions. Okay, well, <laughs> all right, I'm just going to hang out then. Uh, that's kind of the world that's kind, that's kind of the world that knife's kind of a little bit of a different how, power level. Does this person have an infinity gem? How does that work? No, it's the uh, so each of the guilds. So do you remember? So Ravnica is a, is a magic. It's from the. It's based on the magic set Ravnica. Yeah. So you have the guilds that are two color guilds, and every guild had a really powerful guild leader. The uh, black white one, I believe. I believe it's the black white one has the power to basically shut down one of your actions. Like she can she can choose an action type. People can't use you. You can't use that action type. She can. You can. Ah. Uh. Is like the Lady of Law or something or. 
I, this is a book I haven't picked up, but I got to say there are it does it, there are some things in it that feel like they're at another power level. That's I have interesting. not picked up the book either. I actually found it on a ten most uh, ten coolest magic items or ten most powerful magic items. One of the two. Yeah, I can't remember which one it is. It might be Lady Justice or no, no, it doesn't sound right. I'd have to look it up elsewhere. So I apologize for this little bit of a bit of an aside now. But yeah, Ravnica's kind of got a whole other power level of some of the other stuff. So that's the but other thing, too. As the game continues, uh, that is also changing, though, like Thorne just said, with the Ravnica book and things like that. Because, for instance, in the adventure for Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, there is a scroll of Tarask summoning. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, you want to talk about things that are world Seems balanced. Well, yeah, world shattering power. How about dropping a fucking nuke? Like that's that's pretty powerful. So Phineas is ready to like go there anything. just to get that. Yeah, as the as the game continues on, those things are going to start to open up more and more, you know. And people are homebrewing a lot of magic and things of that nature. Yeah, but of course, of course. There's a lot of home, but there's also a lot of great third-party products out there that expand what you can do. Oh, yeah. You know, I have the uh, I have, I have the Kobo Press Tome of Beasts, and there's a lot more out there that can that can really kind of... I also have the uh, Sandy Peterson's Cthulhu Mythos for 5e. That's full of other stuff at a different time. Oh, power. yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, I got Trudvang for 5e, which was a Kickstarter out of, uh, out of I believe, Finland. All different levels of stuff in all those books. So, you know, new stuff you can bring into your D&D game and stuff, sometimes. Sometimes. True Vang's a little different. It's a little bit of its own thing. Hmm. If you want to start upping your magic, you want to, you're afraid that's going to affect the curve. Well, the one thing that 5e does have the range of doing is providing monsters that will still most certainly be challenging as Woodstock uh, got the business end of. Think, people start <laughs> thinking they're really that tough. Well, okay, what's in the dragon lineup? There we go. <laughs> To be fair, to, I mean, to, 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 to be fair, you guys were a level 13 party and I brought out a CR 23 ancient green dragon and, yeah. and the players did not enjoy it. Some did. What was but that? Breath players weapon definitely said they did not enjoy that fight. What was, was like the 75, 76 point poison? Yeah. Uh, like what, what were you rolling out damage wise breath weapon? Do you remember? I think the breath weapon average damage was like 78. Yeah, but what what was it like? Twelve. Uh, uh, um, 12, I can't 12, remember off top of my head. Twenty four D six. I don't think there's D sixes in Dragon Breath weapons. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah, like the the possibility no, there are. There are, there are for complete decimation with some of these things is totally really quite impressive we did run into i will say one character did run into uh, they didn't maybe didn't have enough hit points to take that even if they if they didn't save they went down so that was that was part of the issue but let's see so the uh breath weapon poison breath weapon is 22 d6 poison damage 22 d6 or if you just take the average it's 77 yeah or you could be in the hundreds you know whatever (laughs) So, yeah, there are D6s, and that is a DC 22 constitution save. Oh, oh that's easy. I'm oh, sorry, challenge, that's challenge level 22. But so, it's funny, like, yeah, that's going to be too much of a rabbit hole. I can't wait for the rematch. <laughs> you beat it. There's no rematch. Next time you're going to have to take on a blue or a red. You guys think you're ready red, for an ancient red dragon? ancient red dragon. 
I'm gonna be like, I'm sorry, we are bothering you. Sir. Yeah, I'll take the ancient <laughs> red dragon. If the ancient red dragon is the Malbion, then yes, I will fight him at level 19 or 20. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> I will take that challenge. I'm sorry, we were bothering you, sir. <laughs> Not a problem. Just give, give me a couple levels, and I'll be right up the mountaintop, sir. I have yeah. uh, also Fizzbang's Treasury of Dragons, so I have yeah. the, the 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 oh yeah, there's the some... great worms are in there too. The They're next entire level. level, next level of dragon kind. <laughs> Oh, I got all the dragons. I can, I can, I can put a dragon against you every, uh, every level from here to the end of the game. Phenomenal. Maybe I should. I would enjoy that. I do like playing dragons. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. They are. I mean, they're yeah, they're iconic. Iconic isn't even the word. Yeah, they're 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 the logo. The dragon's the logo. Like Jerry West is the NBA logo. All right, guys. We've been talking about this for a little bit now. Why don't we round up with some final thoughts on attunement and just in general what the the role you want your magic items to play in your game and do you feel like you can do that in 5th edition? So with actually attuning, I can't imagine if a, if a, I could pick up a plus three sword and it works perfectly. And if I pick up a plus one flame tongue, it's a plus zero sword because I haven't taken a nap with it under my pillow. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me whatsoever. Um, but overall, if you take in consideration the other places you can fill in your character sheet without the heavier property-based items perhaps it doesn't really rock the boat so badly but you do get the issues with the miscellaneous items that really limits that in terms of what you can have it is versus armor or weapons later in the game consider expanding that perhaps depending on the flavor um of what you're running if you're a lower magic world then keep it tight make those magic items precious but as you get higher level you want to have something they could do with the rewards without making them feel like they have to like oh man i love this and i gotta give this up for something that's better and it's like oh i miss this that's <laughs> that's not the rewards i want to give yeah yeah it's fair yeah i would say it, as we said in the beginning it this is a very distinct difference between uh the early days and now uh where the early days if you did not have these magic items you were just some peasant guy from the town you literally were just a nobody uh and you would die so that drove people to get these cool magic items that then define their character. Now the characters become more defined by they already are powerful enough just in their own class. So the, their story, their character arc, which a lot of people are motivated by, becomes their motivation, good or bad. I will say with the attunement rule specifically, I would know the rule before you break it. So anyone's really new to running games, I would stick with it to get a better sense of how the balance and the bounded accuracy of the system is working and why it's there. And then, as Tony said, by the time your players, if they get to 10th level, you can start playing around, you can start opening it up. I will still say, I think some of this was driven. So it could be that some of the players, maybe they're not getting enough things that they're getting excited about in the game. So the magic items are going to be what they want, like Tony's Barbarian where he's not necessarily having the same level of choices that everyone else in the party is getting now with spell selection and invocations and new artificer stuff and paladin abilities. So it's like, cool, What I'm going to go hit that thing. Can I hit it with something cooler now? You know, and Tony, to back off your point, which I think is a really good one, the Dirk, the Dragon Slayer, or the you okay. run in and find the sun blade and you're fighting Strahd, but like I couldn't like rest for an hour, so Strahd just eats my face, right? 
Yes. I have always thought about, and it, it puts more on me and having my CPU really running in games, but I've oftentimes thought about mystery usage. You find the magic item and you don't know what it does until you start swinging it, until you start doing things with it. And then stuff starts to happen and you're discovering as the DM is starting to tell you how these things react, you're starting to discover the item. So over time, you learn its properties. I think that's kind of cool, but that ta- that's a lot on the DM to run all of that stuff. And if you got a bunch of players all with magic items and you're having to like piece out what it does, but I still want to kind of play with it at some point, so... You know, it, it's it's always going to take a little more processing power, but what I would probably do is if it has like four items, I'd basically, you know, kind of like for each next each battle they're in coming up, roll a die to see which item to see which if he has four powers what comes out, what comes out. Yeah. And then like over the course of like three or four battles, they know everything about the weapon. Yeah. Yeah. I think that could be pretty cool. It is right. You just yeah. roll it randomly, you know. Yeah. Or they just might want to tune and learn it all because that's the way that's the way players are. I don't want to have to use this. I want to just attune with it or cast identify and know what it is. Well, I have no problem with that either, right? That's fine. (laughs) I will say that at least does give a reason to have identify, right? Because if not, that spell is just like BS, right? I don't know. Yeah, because I kind of, unless you're giving out a lot of trapped magic items, a lot of cursed items, I still don't feel like identify is necessarily worthwhile right now. Because it's like the attuning is so easy that unless you're really throwing out a lot of cursed items, like a lot, like half your <laughs> items, you really need to identify. And I've given so many people with a berserker or swords and axes, and they don't care. It's like, yeah, I was going to stay in the battles. I killed everything anyway. That's fine. <laughs> Whatever. This is just, yeah, just making the job easier. Now I can't stop. I just, yeah, good. Now I just have a good excuse not to retreat. I wasn't going to anyway. But now I have yeah, a good spoiler. <laughs> hey, I don't retreat. <laughs> no, I swear it was the axe. Me and this axe are going to get along just fine. And so for me, I get why they did this. In general, though, I've just seen so many stories and games have come down to the right player with the right item becoming an iconic duo that I really kind of miss that. And also, you know, I'm going to get back to reality again a little bit. You know, if D&D is being set up where getting stuff is not supposed to be your your motivation, what humanity are they looking at? Facebook was created to get rich. <laughs> Vikings came to America to, to find new land and, and, and build a new village because they wanted the they wanted to be able to farm there and use that to get rich. You know, that sort of thing is what drives at least humanity on it. Maybe not elves. Elves are really old. Maybe they don't have that curiosity. I don't know. I don't think greed is necessarily a bad motivator. You know, <laughs> I think you can do that some of that in your game and then maybe run into some stuff that's more altruistic. But just counting on the players to want to be heroes, eh. Maybe it's the Gen X in us because we are all we're all Gen Xers. Yeah. We're just a little cynical for that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's fair to say. I mean, maybe that's the issue. Maybe millennials, maybe millennial gamers, and are, are a little less cynical and, and a little more altruistic in their motivations. You know, us, us uh, old Gen uh, Xers are a little more cynical about it. I don't know if that can be backed up. I think they want awesome treasure too. Okay, okay. Millennials want treasure too. I, I'm, I'm willing to accept that. And then Gen Z is also another big player base, and you know they probably want treasure also. Amazingly, yes, these people are here for the loot. <laughs> so yeah, so so for me, I mean, the attunement rules are okay, but if I get to a situation where I feel like I'm giving out stuff the players can't use, I'm going to kill it. 
I'll just say, forget the attunement roll. We'll move on. I will say when we did it, one of the reasons I haven't killed it yet is because only two players actually had to make decisions, which does make me wonder if I need to reevaluate what the stuff I'm giving out and making sure everyone gets some cool stuff. But most of the players had no problem making the attunement level le- limit at level 13. And in Curse of Strahd, like I said, Dave gave us a little, it was no problem. Three. Okay, that's fine. I got one. No problem. <laughs> well, I have this drift glow, but I think that's okay. <laughs> And I would, I would also just say, you know... Hey, t- get, take it up with Chris Perkins, all right? <laughs> Send your letters to Chris Perkins. The items we did get were things... Dave, that's true. The items we did get were, were Dave being generous. Chris Perkins put, like, nothing in that much. <laughs> you are scraping and clawing and trying not to die from Strahd. So, and then just, you know, the one thing I would say is there is a real cool aspect to just having that magic item player match that excites the player. And can lead to a really cool game. So just because the system maybe doesn't encourage that kind of gameplay, um, I'm going to still play with it. Because I find that makes a cool game that people enjoy running and maybe even more enjoyable than games where they're just supposed to be like like uh, like Dave quoted Matt Coville is saying, just automatically altruistic. Because uh, that's not most of our players. It's some of our players, but then not most of our players. No, I mean, I everyone will have the point where you're going to cross the line and that's not okay. But... Yeah, you have made the point very well, or that yeah, pay them. Like people, they need stuff. They want stuff. That's why they're adventuring. If they didn't, they'd probably be back in at home by the fire with a bowl of stew. You know, having worked the land that day. You I know? mean, when when you come to the when you come to Bone Grinder and you find out the hags are making dream cakes with the bones of children, you are highly motivated to kill the hags. If you just know there's somewhere across the world that that's happening, yeah, you know, stay it's less, home. yeah, less so. Yeah. When they're offering you to sell you the cakes that are made of kids, you're like, ah, this, yeah, we can't let this go. This has yeah. to stop, you know? I mean, yeah. but, but no, there's not enough of that to drive a whole campaign. There's a couple things. You Which know? is funny. I just, I've said it before, I think, but it's an interesting point because it just shows how people think. Similarly, across all all genres, all age groups, all everything, every single story I read of people going to Old Bone Grinder, they end by burning it down. Every <laughs> single story, every fucking story, to the point where the one guy created a battle map with that on fire just so you can have it ready, you know, for it, so... We're kicking in your door. We're saving the kids. We're burning your house down. But hell, also, Thor, uh, with your motivation. Sorry, I kept cutting in here, but here I am. Um, my final thoughts, but that's okay. Exactly. So I'm adding to your final thoughts here. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but it goes back to my one article. Even in the most current D&D game that's out there, the the Critical Role stuff, Vox Magna, how do they go to do the thing? They get paid, right? Yeah. But theoretically give us the gold give us the gold you know so and they didn't get the gold they got a house instead that i'm sure probably just incurred more debts and more fees but you know yeah, that's kind they of got screwed. a manor instead it's like when oprah gave them all cars and they had to pay the taxes on it you know you're like what the fuck man <laughs> all right ahead, so maybe that's another maybe that's another good tip don't tax your players magic items or do and really piss them off and see where that leads to i'm betting at least them burning down the tax office right now we're not doing tax in, in the tax in, man in, is still world. He's still going to show up somewhere. He's going to be like this weird elder thing, the tax man, and he comes in his cloak, you know? Yeah, we're yeah. going to be the attorney, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. He's the big, he's the big bad. He's going to be the level 20 bad guy we have to face, I, right? Something. I, yeah. He's been taxing us all in some way we can't sense. All right. His name is well, Stan. Guys, 
<laughs> it's yeah. been a good conversation. Thanks a lot for for promoting this over with, with me. Yeah, with all everyone at home. Absolutely. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Three Wise DMs. Now, this time we were talking about our own question, but many times we talk about reader questions. So if you'd like to send us something to talk about, please go to our website, threewisedms.com, and enter in the What's Your Problem field. Or you can email us at threewisedms at gmail.com, or you can contact contact us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're active in all those locations. We're always looking for new topics to talk about. And really, there's nothing we enjoy more than helping DMs with the actual problems they're facing. So if you have something like that come up, please send it over. We'll do our best to fit it into a show. If you like what you're hearing, hit that five-star rating button in your podcast platform of choice. Tell your friends, share the episode. All that stuff really helps us grow, and we appreciate all the help you can give us there. And that's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Three Wise DMs.